Welcome to the Johnson family here, too. They are uh, just starting deputation to Thailand. Good to have you here as our guest tonight. Go ahead and turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We uh, recently started a new Sunday uh, evening series on rightful authority, how to use rightful authority, how to follow rightful authority, where does rightful authority rest. This is not a fancy subject. It is not a subject that causes most people to sit up and say, wow, I've always wanted to learn and hear more about that. But because people don't understand this subject very well, they hurt themselves and they hurt their children. Uh, There are very few issues in our culture or in human nature that our culture and human nature has warped more than this issue of authority. Uh, Few key issues are handled in general by Christian people and churches more poorly than rightful authority. Few things that individuals hate more than authority. We literally, we hate the word submission. And that's our nature. But despite all the way our culture is and how this issue is handled, there are very few issues more important to living a blessed life here and now than the subject of authority. Remember, uh, there's two aspects of Christianity. The first aspect of Christianity is you need to get saved so you can go to heaven. All right? That you get by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first aspect of Christianity. That gets you to heaven. But you can be a genuine Christian and you can live a messed up, miserable life here and now. And if you don't believe that, you're not paying any attention to what's going on. Because there is a way that God desires and designed for His children to live their life. And this is part of it. This is part of the recipe for living a healthy, normal life productive, blessed life here and now. Because most of the problems, if not all of the problems in our marriages, our homes, and our culture are in some way a problem with authority. Remember, authority is the power to command, to enforce laws, to exact obedience, to judge a situation or a person as being right or wrong. Two weeks ago, we spent time laying the foundation for rightful authority. Remember, since God is our creator, He makes the rules. Now, most of us don't have a problem with God being the authority, though we struggle with it from time to time. But because God cannot be seen today with our eyes and audibly heard with our ears, God delegated some of His authority into something we can see in here. He inspired and preserved a book, the Scriptures, so we can know His will and submit to His authority. Now, most of us here don't have a problem with God's Word being an inerrant authority in every area where it speaks. But it becomes a problem for all of us at times, and many of us sometimes, uh, when the book that God inspires gives some of God's authority to imperfect people in some circumstances. And last week we talked about the authority of God in our homes. We talked about the authority of a husband over his own wife. That's different from the authority of all men over all women. That doesn't exist. One equal, submitting to another equal to follow God's plan in marriage. Every husband has authority from God, from the Word of God, to do what God wants in your home. And then, God let ladies pick the man 
to whom you would enter in with that kind of relationship with. And it's intended to be a lifelong choice. We talked about the authority of parents over their own children. Very different from the authority of all adults over all children. That doesn't exist either. One equal, submitting to another equal to follow God's plan in the family. Every parent has authority from God over their own children from the Word of God to do what God wants to be done in the lives of your children. Now, in contrast to marriage, which is a lifelong situation, uh, the authority of parents over children, because God picked parents for children, that's a temporary situation. And that ends when a child gets to the place in their life, whether they're uh, 18 or 22 or 25, whatever they are, when they move out, then it changes. And that relationship is no longer an authority relationship, it's an honor relationship. Parents drive an obedience relationship. You do this. Children drive an authority relationship, or an honor relationship. I honor you in this manner. And if a parent demands that a child honor them in a certain manner, then that's obedience and not honor. And you don't owe them that. Now, these subjects are not controversial if you believe the Scriptures, but it's just a hard area of life to follow. Few things are more important and less understood than the issue of finding, using, and following rightful authority. Tonight and in the coming weeks, we are going to set forth the places and to the people. God has delegated some of his authority. We're going to spend time talking about how to follow that rightful authority in each of these areas of our life. And we're going to spend time talking about how that authority is supposed to be used in each of these areas of life. And if I had my way, everybody would hear all of these because uh, this is just something that's really key to having the right kind of marriage and home and church. Uh, But that's not going to happen, so I'll take what I get. And I'm glad you're here. Go ahead and stand up, if you would, please, in honor of God's Word. Let me ask you this question as we begin. Do you really want to follow the authority of God in your life? If you do, then you've got to ask yourself the question, where has God delegated His authority? The title of my thought tonight is the authority of God in the church. The authority of God in the church. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the Word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Look at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Verse 24. Salute all them that have the rule over you. And all the saints... They of Italy salute you. Thank you might be seated. We really just read about the authority from God of a pastor over the church where he leads. Now this is an awkward subject for me to teach on, but it is taught just as clearly in the scriptures as the authority in marriage and the authority in a home. Now hearing about the authority of a husband over a wife, his own wife is hard for a wife to hear. Hearing about the authority of a parent from God over a teenager is hard for a teenager to hear. Hearing about the authority of a pastor from God is hard for a church member to hear because basically it's, we don't like authority other than our own. Now, 
All of us here, I think, have the idea, at least I have the idea, that the average Christian husband and the average Christian parent and the average biblical pastor, they're good people. But even knowing that, we struggle with these issues in our life. Now, I'm not aware of anybody right now who's defying pastoral authority, which makes this a good time to talk about it. By the way, in the 12 years we've existed, there have been times when we've had issues with pastoral authority here. And by the way, we will have issues in the future. Say why. Uh, You have an imperfect pastor. We have all imperfect leaders in ministries. Everybody in our church is an imperfect person. And because we have a spiritual adversary that opposes everything that's done God's way. He opposes marriage done God's way. He opposes the home done God's way. And he opposes the church done the way God has designed his church to operate. But even knowing that this would be the case, God, who knows what is best, still established his authority in his church. By the way, you are not going to be a seasoned Christian before you're either going to hear of or experience some pastor who abused his authority from God and some carnal church people who abused their pastor. God knew that was going to happen. There are bad apples in every basket, including the pastoral basket. God knew the way it was going to be, and he still established his authority in the church this way. Now, you may not think this way, but I would hate to be in the shoes of some Christian at the judgment seat of Christ who hurt one of the Lord's churches or tore down one of the men he established. I I was in those shoes for 20 years as a layperson. By the way, I would also hate to be uh, someone in the shoes of any pastor at the judgment seat of Christ who hurt the Lord's sheep by abusing and misusing his authority or by defying the word of God with that authority. And I'm wearing those shoes today. And I want to tell you what, you may, not, you, you may take, think I take lightly what I do around here, but I want to tell you what, I take very seriously the fact that I'm going to give an account to God for what goes on around here. I believe it is a huge deal to God to cause any kind of dissent or trouble in one of the Lord's churches. In fact, we just read three clear admonitions. Keep your hand there. Go back. Let's just read one more. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And by the way, I'm just teaching the Bible. I I don't know. um, Sometimes... I, I. I feel like I don't preach enough on Sunday nights. I just teach. But I guess over the years, I just have come to realize God's people don't know the Bible as well as we should. <laughs> in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, notice what it says in verse 12. It says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them, notice the word them there, because we'll get to that in a minute, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Notice in this relationship there in 1 Thessalonians that it is a them. They're over you in the Lord. They admonish you, and that you're supposed to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. 
You can let that go up to Hebrews chapter 13 where we read, notice in verse 7, you're supposed to remember them that have the rule over you. You're supposed to follow their faith. Again, it's a them. Same thing in verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. Again, the them, the plural. Obey, submit. Verse 24, salute all them that have the rule over there. Salute in this context means to uh, enfold in the arms, to em- embrace. Like when you read salutations, it's a, a warm greeting. It's a, it's a hug kind of a thing. God delegated some of his authority to a pastor in the church they lead, and then from a pastor to ministry leaders in a ministry. Just like a wise husband delegates some of his authority from God to his wife in certain areas of their marriage, and a wise parent delegates some of their authority to teachers or coaches or uh, babysitters or grandparents who are granny-sitting at times, a wise pastor also delegates some of his authority from God to ministry leaders in certain areas of ministry in the Lord's church. Now, just like in all these areas, God did not give spiritual leaders, pastors, or any ministry leader authority to do what they want to do. All of our authority comes from God. It all comes from God's book. And God gave all of us, wherever we have authority, to do what He wants done. God did not delegate authority to any pastor to do uh, what the congregation wants or the culture wants if it is contrary to what God wants. Just this week, we had a group of people, they had called me and they're thinking about uh, building a building and they wanted to come in and and take a look around and and so I I had some time, I gave them a half an hour and and took them around and and they were talking about in their church what they were going to build and and they were talking about passing out a survey in their congregation to decide what kind of ministries they were going to do. And I asked them and I didn't mean anything by it, I I said, what kind of ministries does your pastor want to do? They just ignored the question. They didn't care. By the way, pastoral authority doesn't come because we're Baptists. It doesn't come because uh, of any denomination. It comes because that is the order God established in His churches. Nothing to do with tradition. By the way, it is not an accident. In the interest of time, we won't turn there. But if we turn to Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus had a personal message for seven local assemblies of churches. They were all in Asia. They were all uh, somewhat uh, close geographically speaking. And to every one of those churches, He began that message to the angel of the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Pergamos, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, to the angel of the church in Sardis, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, to the angel of the church in Laodicea. And those cities, every one of those churches, there was one individual, one angel, one messenger that He spoke to to take his message to that group of people. And again, we won't turn there, but if we turn to the Bible in the book of Acts in chapter 20, Paul brings the whole staff, all the elders from the church of Ephesus together. It was a large church. They had them. They had many leaders, but yet there was one that Jesus held most accountable. 
If we were studying the Bible, and we, we've done this before, we would turn in our Bible to Acts chapter 15 when there was a controversy in the church that centered around the role of Jewish works and Jewish diet for Gentile Christians. And Paul and uh, I think it was Barnabas at that time, was it Barnabas or Silas? No, Paul and Paul came with somebody. It was either Silas or Barnabas, and it came to the church in Jerusalem, and here's what happened. The issue was discussed. People in the congregation expressed their views. The other leaders in the church expressed their views. And here's how it ended. The pastor James, he said this, Wherefore my sentence is blah, blah, blah. So I don't like that. That's the way they did it, and Peter was there. And based on a scripture in Amos chapter 9, uh, James made the decision. Say what? Because God established that kind of an order in the church. Now like with all, by, by the way, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, uh, in the middle of that, says, for they watch for your souls, and we'll talk about more, this more later, as they that must give an account... Listen, I give account to God for what goes on here. If you're a Sunday school teacher or a master club teacher or a children's church teacher, you give account to God for what goes on in your class. Uh, if you are a youth leader or a bus captain or any, we have uh, a choir leader. We have leaders in all sorts of uh, areas of, of ministry here. And, and by the way, uh, everyone in the church that has authority, they get that authority from God to the Scriptures to the pastor to them. And if you are in the children's, children's ministry, basically you have kind of authority from God to the Scriptures to the parents to you. That's how that works. And none of that authority is to do what we want to do. It is to do what God wants done. As I said, in each one of these areas of life, I wish every pastor and ministry leader would listen to all of these so you would hear how we're supposed to use that authority we have from God. That's just not our subject tonight. This is not the authority of all clergy over all lay people. It is the authority of a pastor over the flock he leads. Don't, don't get me wrong. I believe we ought to show respect to all men of God. But showing them respect and being under their authority are two different things. Listen, I have no authority over any other local church because of my gifts or calling or biblical education. Zero. By the way, I have zero authority in your home. He gave that, God gave that, to a husband and to parents. My authority stops at our property line. Now, I get it that pastors all over the place, they feel like they can tell their people to do things uh, away from there. They can tell them, but they don't have authority to do that. Now, please don't misunderstand me. All of these situations that God established like this, what we lose sight of is there is relationship behind them. I believe children ought to be free to ask their parents for things. Say, parents are authority. They should, they should just shut up. I don't think you should parent like that. Now, you have authority to parent like that. I'm just telling you, I don't think you should parent like that. I believe every wife 
ought to be able to freely talk and ask her husband for all kinds of things. So, well, he's the authority there. If you're going to be that kind of a husband, you, you just don't get it. And by the way, since we've started 12 years ago, people have asked all kinds of things of me. Sometimes I can do them. Sometimes I can't. And by the way, if, every, if a husband does everything his wife asks, then he's not leading, she is. If a pastor does everything the church members ask, he's not leading, they are. But there's something wrong when the foundation of our, uh, of our interaction with one another, its relationship, there's something wrong when we can't talk to one another and ask one another for things. And then you do what you feel like the Lord would have you do. Listen, these are special relationships. Not just a husband and a wife, not just a parent and a child, but my relationship with you and your relationship with me as a shepherd and sheep, as a pastor and people, it's a special thing. Or at least it should be. In both directions. Every church without a godly leader is going to be a mess. And every church with a godly leader they refuse to follow is going to be a mess. And if you've been around for very long, sometimes churches have good leaders and people are rebellious and refuse to follow them. Sometimes churches have lazy and selfish leaders who ought to just get out of the ministry. And I'm amazed sometimes at the kind of leadership people are willing to follow. And I just shake my head. Other times, church leaders are corrupt and they're people that need to just get out of there and people need to get rid of them or quietly move on. Because everything in life rises and falls on leadership. That is true in the government. That is true in a business. That's true in a sports team. That is true in a marriage. That is true in a home. And it is true in a church. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Listen, when you and I have leaders and our leaders who walk with God, who seek the face of God, who try to do what's right, I want to tell you what, whether it's a marriage or a home or a church or a business, it makes all the difference in the world. And these issues with authority, they're not complex. They're just hard when real life situations and our fallen nature get involved. Where the Bible is silent, you should do what rightful authority tells you to do. When church leaders or anybody, husbands, parents, when they contradict the Bible, obey the Bible. I've told you multiple times from this pulpit, if I disobey the Bible, obey the Bible. If I was a wife and my husband told me not to go to church, I would say, you know what, I love you. I will try to do anything I can to keep you happy, but I will not disobey God to keep you happy. A husband doesn't have authority to do that. When church leaders or husbands or parents provide no direction, do whatever you prefer, prayerfully decide to do. By the way, that's true in the Lord's work here. If you're here and you're a ministry leader, my leadership style is I try to not directly tell you jot and tittle what to do. I don't like that. 
I don't think that brings out the best in people. I don't think that causes people to develop their gifts and their walk with God very well. And you may not like this, but I prefer to give people parentheses. And you stay within that parentheses, and within that parentheses, you follow the Lord. And you know what? Then when the Lord blesses, you'll be able to put your head in your pillow and feel, God used me. And by the way, if you fail, then you won't point your finger either at me and say, well, I failed because of you. When you cannot follow the leadership in any church on an issue where the Bible speaks, your issue is not with that leader, it's with the Scriptures and with the God who inspired the Scriptures. We just recently had someone, uh, they had been visiting and uh, they stopped visiting and so I asked someone, well, why don't they come anymore? Well, they don't like your position on uh, homosexuality. They're, I think it was their sister is a lesbian. And, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, just tell them I'll say lesbians are right so they can come back. I don't have authority to do that. When you cannot follow the leadership in any church on any issue where the Bible is silent, you should just quietly leave and find another leader. God designed every Christian to have that special relationship. I believe there are things God gives every individual Christian through the pastor that God has designed them to follow. And you can say, I don't want somebody like that in my life. Well, that's fine. And you'll just miss some of the things God wants to give you. So I've known a lot of them, and they're imperfect. Yes, they are. Listen, my imperfections are on display all the time. You don't teach 35 or 40 minutes in, in Sunday school and then preach Sunday morning and Sunday night for uh, 40 or 45 minutes and then teach for 40 minutes on Wednesday night and, and not misstate yourself all the time. All the time. I get incredibly weary of my failure to communicate at times like I wish I could communicate. This is the best I have. But to be honest with you, my experience is that people who have problems with good leaders in one church, they generally have problems with the leadership in another church. In fact, people who have come to me, they're saying, I'm looking for a church, what should I look for? One of the things I always tell them is I say, look for the leader that you can treat like God taught you to treat that leader. That, that's one of the ways you find where God wants you. You say, well, my family is here and this is close to my house. No, listen, this relationship, this shepherd, sheep, pastor, people relationship, God intended to be a special relationship. It means something that we're here together. We're the body of Christ here at Bible Baptist Church, just like other churches are the body of Christ there. It is a special relationship. You see, the pastor in a church has authority from God to make decisions where the Bible is silent, just like a parent does. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell a parent where to establish the curfew. The, the Bible, uh, God gives a parent authority to establish the curfew. 
But by the way, did you ever wonder what Jesus meant when He said, uh, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven? Did you ever wonder what He meant? That's what He's talking about. No one has authority to do anything contrary where God has said what needs to be done. But wherever the Scriptures are silent, whether it's a child's curfew or this or that, that a husband and wife work out with one another, or areas in the church that are not specifically spelled out in the Bible, God says, listen, if that's what you decide, I'm good with that and I'll make it so here. That's why every teenager, when you rebel against your parent, when they establish a curfew, you're rebelling against God. They have the authority to do that. By the way, I'm just teaching the Bible. To be honest with you, I think most problems with authority in the church, they come because one or both parties don't allow love and grace and mercy to be prevalent in what's going on. Did you know that church members can actually make their ministry leaders and pastor better. But by the way, every wife here has the power to make your husband a better man or a worse man. So he's the leader. Yeah, he is. But you can make him better or worse. By the way, that's true of parents and teenagers too. And it's true in here. Have you decided to submit yourself to the leadership of God by following His leadership in the church? Like every one of these situations, your submission is untested until you're in a situation when you disagree with the leader. Listen, it will take love and genuine humility for you and I to work together in the Lord's church here like we should. To keep this relationship that we have, shepherd and and sheep, the people of God, brothers and sisters, to keep those relationships healthy. It's going to take hard work, love, patience, and genuine humility. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says that the Lord has set in the body, well, go ahead, just turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is how you, you, you pick a church. So why are you talking to us? We're here just because I want you to understand. You, you may have come here for who knows why. We had a guy that come here this morning because he got up too late to go to his church. He Googled uh, Baptist church closest to me. Now why he goes to the uh, vineyard the rest of the time, I don't know. But this morning, for whatever reason, he got up late. He Googled Baptist church closest to me. He ended up here. Uh, by, by the way, I believe that's divine intervention in his life. You may not believe that, but I believe that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. God, for purposes that are known to him, set every member here. God picked your gifts and mine. I do not believe God picked some people to be saved and some people to be lost. But when it comes to how we're gifted in life and what we are gifted to do in the work of the Lord, God sovereignly chose those things. And then God has a place, a body of Christ, where He sets each of us and He set you where you are. 
By the way, that means there's a purpose for you being here. I believe God purposely put us together, though we're very different. I, I, I loved our singing tonight. And I love hearing, brother, I, I hope if God, uh, Terry's Christ return and God blesses me to live to 80, I hope my voice is still good like that at 80. Amen. So your voice can't sing like that now. No, I just hope I have a voice to preach then. And you're right, my voice can't sing like that now. Never could. And, uh, but I, I believe whether it's Brother Phil singing or those ladies that sang that great song that God made us and designed us to serve the Lord, you know what? Uh, we have a place. Our common bond is faith in Christ, belief in the Bible, and our love one another. That, that love for one another, it causes us to, to grow and to work through these things as they come up. Now as we think through these three key areas of life where God has delegated some of His authority to imperfect human authorities, the authority of a husband over his own wife, the authority of parents over their own children, the authority of a pastor over the flock where He leads, every one of us over the age of about 12 know that there are a lot of problems between leaders and followers in all three of these areas. That is nothing new because human nature has never changed. Have you ever thought about this? John the Baptist, he was so significant in the plan of God that his ministry was prophesied in the Old Testament, that his birth was prophesied by an angel. And yet, though he was that kind of an individual with a, that kind of a message from God, by and large, people didn't listen to his message. The problem wasn't him. Now, people looked at him, and because they didn't like his message, what they did is they said, you know what, John is too strict. I mean, who wants to live in deserts? That's weird anyway. He guy eats bugs. And so they said, because he's so strict, and yeah, I just can't imagine God being that strict, I'm not going to listen to what he has to say. And by the way, they just wanted a reason to reject his message, so they found one, and in his case, he's too strict, I don't want to hear him. See, with Jesus, it was the ditch on the other side of the road. And by the way, every word Jesus of Nazareth spoke was the word of God. He was actually a perfect messenger. Every word he said was perfectly spoken and said perfectly exactly what God wanted to express. And yet, by and large, people didn't listen to him either. They didn't crucify him because they loved what he had to say. They crucified him because they hated his message. And because they didn't like his message, they said, well, he's a glutton, he's a friend of publicans and sinners. He's had all these times just celebrating with people and just enjoying himself. And, and they asked him about it. They said, well, John's disciples fast and the Pharisees fast. What about your disciples? He says, well, while the bridegroom's here, how can you fast? It's a party. I'm here now. The days will come when they will fast. But because they didn't want to hear his message, they said, well, you know what? He's too loose. He's too soft on this. He's too easy for this. He's, he's, he's having too much fun. 
And the bottom line is, is that because of our nature, we will always find a reason when we don't like the message to reject the messenger. That is true of wives toward their own husbands, and you know him well. That is true towards of children and parents, and you know them well. And that is also true of a pastor and people. In fact, that's why years ago, a lot of people in the ministry, what they did was they purposely distanced themselves from everybody and they tried to stand aloof from everybody because they didn't want anybody to see their foibles and faults and humanity and all that stuff. And I just don't believe that. I try to be very transparent to you I try to be just real. Uh, listen, I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. I don't stand here tonight because I'm better than you. I know some of you, and I know for a fact, you're a much better person than I am. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm not standing here because I'm better than anybody. I'm standing here because God called and gifted me to do this. And we need to be careful or we'll fall into this trap of rejecting messages because we don't like this or that about the messenger or how it's said. Well, and uh, I'll just skip that. The bottom line is, is we just have to trust God. And as Christians, let love and mercy and grace prevail in our relationships. That, that's how husband and wife work together when you know each other's faults so clearly. I can't follow his leadership. He doesn't put his shoes away. Listen, if that's the biggest problem uh, you have with your husband, you have the best man in this room. Well, I can't listen to Brother Wally. He's too loud. He's too soft. He's too bald. He gives the kids candy. It's sugaring up the kids. I'm just fed up with that. Listen, if that's the biggest problem with me, you'll be all right. See, most of the time, our problem is not really with a bad leader or a bad follower. The problem is us. (laughs) Followers expect leaders to be perfect, but they expect their leader to remember that they're just flesh. Leaders expect their followers to be perfect and to remember that they're just flesh. By the way, because of this problem, do you know what most people do? They withdraw from everyone. And in most cases, they turn to their pets. Say, why? Pets are easy. Listen, think about how easy a relationship with a pet is compared to a person. I mean, try, try putting your husband or wife in a, in, in a cage for four hours and just go away. <laughs> and think they're going to be glad to see you when you get home. <laughs> that, that's not the way people roll. And, and, and so people turn to their pet. Listen, I, I get that it is hard. To, to have these healthy relationships. But I'm just saying, God enriches our life through them in a way 
that is so much greater than how he does with us and our pet. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll begin to talk about one of the key problems that hurts us in these relationships, and it's this simple thing, expectations. But you'll have to come back to hear that if you'd quietly stand.